Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Hey, who's ready to break out in 2019? We've got some candidates for you like Carrion Johnson, Sammy Watkins. We'll talk about it with Heath Cummings and Dave Richard. This will be Heath's list of breakouts. This is Fantasy Football Today on Tuesday the 18th. You are hearing this on Wednesday or Thursday, but we are recording on Tuesday. And what's up, Heath and Dave? Heath, you are under the microscope again. How did the Sleepers show go? Like, you feel like we weren't, we weren't too harsh on you in the Sleepers episode, right? I, if you were, I didn't notice or care. So I, I think he was fine. Dang, you didn't care about our feelings? No, I didn't care about how you made me feel. Good. No. You're very You didn't secure. care about the way we felt about making you feel. <laughs> I don't know how you felt, but no, I don't care. I care, Dave. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk about some of those guys. And minicamp developments, sort of, as I promised from our last episode. Like, the Detroit Free Press predicted 60 or more catches for on Johnson. Uh, Houston maybe going running back by committee. James Conner talking about distributing backfield touches and then a, a follow-up report on that. Here are some stats to know for today's show. Yo. So let's. why don't we do the statometer? Zero to ten. And you tell me how good the stat is or how interesting it is. Okay. Uh, over the last three seasons, Lamar Miller ranks fourth in rush attempts, fifth in rushing yards, and 22nd in rushing touchdowns among running backs. Lamar Jackson's really good. Lamar Miller. Lamar, Lamar, said, Miller's, Lamar Miller's really good. What a Freudian slip by Heath Cummings. <laughs> like, seriously, we're talking about a guy who's probably available as the 30th running back off the board, and, like, the bad thing we say about him is he doesn't score touchdowns and he's 22nd in rushing touchdowns? Yeah, he's 22nd. Top five in yards over the last three years? Cause, yeah. What happened to the meter? He's really good. I I mean, I, I did not realize how good Lamar Miller was, so I'm going to say it's a 10. It's a four. <laughs> it's, a, it's not it's not that exciting of a stat. So, hey, Lamar a Miller stat. isn't that exciting of a player. And there is already discussion about how the Texans will begin the season in a tandem timeshare duo backfield. Yep, that's why I brought up the stat. Uh, stat number two, a Green Bay running back has averaged five yards per carry or better three straight seasons, minimum 70 carries. That's like a six on the statometer. Okay. Here's what I'd like to know. What is the uh, single player high for rush attempts among Packers running backs over the last three seasons? You guess, and I'll get the answer. Uh, 185. Are you gargling? <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry. It was gross. 185 is my guess. Heath, oh. what's your guess? I'll go 186. Everybody else, make a guess. I'll get back to you in about 90 seconds. Heath is supposed to go 184 because closest without going over is... Oh, wait, no. So, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah either <laughs> I'm going to win or it's 185. Okay, good job, Heath. All right, stat of the uh, stat number three on the statometer. Evan Ingram did not have 75 receiving yards in any of his first seven games with Odell Beckham. And then he had 75 to 87 yards in all four games without Odell Beckham. That is really good. Evan Ingram no did not have a 75-yard game in eleven game in seven games with Beckham. In four games without him, he had 75 or more every game. I think he's probably going to have 75 yards or more every game this year, and he's really good. No, he will not have 75 or more every game. But that that is really, that is quite a number. I have a number for you. Let's go over everybody's guesses on the carries leader for the Packers single season, last three years. Yeah, Heath said 186. I said 187. You said 185. (laughs) You're both off by over 30 carries. 153 carries by Jamal Williams in 2017 is the lead, the leader. He's had the most work, and it's not a lot of work. That needs to turn around if the Packers are to have a great fantasy running back in 2019. And they will, and it'll be Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Oh, will they? I think so. And Aaron Jones midseason, so when he, when he was the featured back, he averaged 14 carries per game. 
Uh, he was on pace for 272 touches, 222 carries and 50 catches, uh, and was a total stud. Take that, statometer. All right, well, uh, that's uh, those are some stats to consider. Those are some topics and players that we're going to discuss. Email of the day is at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. It comes from Ryan from a tiny town in eastern Kentucky. A tiny town in eastern Kentucky? Let's go with Richmond. <clears throat> okay. Dear Tony, Steve, Bruce, and Clint. It's always comic books. I don't know who Clint is. Eastwood. Clint Barton. Who's Clint Barton? What character is that? Is that Captain America or something? No, no Steve definitely is not. Captain America. Hawkeye. Hawkeye is Clint Barton. Played here by Jeremy Renner? Well, so. in the Avengers, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, I was wanting to hear you guys debate who you'd take with the number five pick in both formats. I've been doing some mock drafts. I never know who to take with the fifth pick. I've been leaning towards Hopkins, but I'd like to hear what you think. In non-PPR, I'm going with Melvin Gordon, assuming that the first four picks are running backs. And in PPR, I'm going with Melvin Gordon, assuming the first four <laughs> picks are running backs. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that there's a debate anymore because I did uh, move Gordon behind or Connor behind Gordon, not too far. Like he's still in my top ten, but I, I would probably still just take Gordon in both formats. I think there's a good argument to make for Hopkins. <clears throat> Hopkins is safer if you listen to the fluorometer. You know that. True. But uh, I'd probably take Gordon. Okay. Yeah, Gordon has missed. Let's see. Six or two, five, uh, nine games over four seasons, which is which ain't nothing. He's played 14, 13, 16, and 12 games. So Gordon is our answer here. And, and who, who's sixth then? Who's your sixth pick? That's Hopkins. It's Hopkins in PPR. For me, it's Connor and non PPR. I would take Hopkins in fifth in PPR. Okay. Thank you for the email. We got more emails coming up later at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. I have a couple of things to promote. Very exciting stuff. First of all, we have a Facebook group, a Fantasy Football Today Facebook group. You might not know that we have a Facebook group because it's not very active. But one of my goals this year is to really make this thing pop. So I want you all to join. I think we have like 500 to 600 members right now. I By the end of the week, I want over 1,000. So let's see if we can make that happen. So join the Fantasy Football. That's very ambitious. But join the Fantasy Football Today Facebook group. How do you join it? You just go. You try to join it, and then I will approve it. You just like click. So I just go to like the search bar on Facebook, and I type in Fantasy Football Today. Yep. And it comes right up, and I click that, and then I like it, and then I'm in. Is that right? Or you don't have to like apply for member? I think you're already in it, Dave. That's my guess. So I'm not asking for me. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking for everybody listening. I'm I'm trying to help you here, Adam. I don't have to be friends with you on Facebook to be in it, right? Heath, why don't you join the group right now so we know how to do this? But will you answer my question? No, you you don't. You don't. In fact, last night I went on my phone to the Facebook app, and I saw Heath Cummings was the first recommended friend, and I was like, I am... I am not doing it. Like Heath has to initiate. I'm not doing it. Like, I have hit ignore on your face so many times <laughs> on my Facebook. <laughs> One of these days. Uh, if if I did, though, actually request friendship, would you accept it? Fantasy Football Today group, 603 members. I click join, and it says request sent. So Heath I Cummings do have to wait for to someone. Join. Fantasy Football Today, and I just approved him. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Heath. All right, so let's get over 1,000 quickly. And then I think what I'm going to do, we, there, this could go any way we want. So what I really want Fantasy Football Today, the Facebook group, to be is kind of a community amongst our listeners. I don't want it to just be you interacting with me. I want you all to interact with each other. If you have a waiver wire question, a draft question, and you can't reach us, or you're not satisfied with our answer, you just want a lot of opinions, post it in the group. Have conversations, whatever. Obviously, I can approve and, and delete comments. I can kick people out. So let's keep it fun. Let's keep it friendly. But my goal this year is to really make this podcast feel like, I don't know, a big family. You know, So we're going to use Facebook to do part of that. We're going to answer your questions. It's going to be mostly me. Uh, it's going to be mostly my responsibility. But please join the group. The other thing is football never stops. 
and neither does the Pick 6 NFL podcast. It's the perfect time for off-season rankings on Wednesday and Thursday of this week. Brady Quinn joins Pete Prisco and Will Brinson uh, to break down the top NFL, the top 100 NFL players. There's a surprise at the top, so download the two-part episode, or the two-part podcast, I should say, with Brady and Pete anywhere you find your podcast. That is the Pick 6 podcast. Wednesday and Thursday, they are unveiling the top 100. And right now, we're unveiling the breakouts. You ready, Heath? I am so ready, All right. Adam. Deshaun Watson was the number five quarterback in fantasy last year. He is uh, your breakout quarterback. Can he, can he get better, Heath? I don't think he even has to get better. He just has to be allowed to do just a little bit more. He has been one of the – like if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes, and I wrote this in the article, we'd be talking about Deshaun Watson without his running at all as one of the best quarterbacks in the first two years of his career ever. He ranks second in yards per attempt, first in completion percentage, second in passer rating, third in touchdown rate all time amongst quarterbacks in their first two seasons as a starter. That's good. We saw with Russell Wilson. Ten on the statometer, by the way. Did not get to throw very often as a rookie. Didn't get to throw very much his second year. Slowly but surely, he built up to where he was throwing the ball 540 times in a season. And then they went and hired Shoddy and ruined it all. But I, I think he just needs a little bit of bump in volume. And then I do expect he'll be slightly more efficient on the ground than he was last year because he wasn't as efficient early in the season. Uh, I put with each of these bright breakout picks a realistic upside for them. And for him, I think it's 4,500 passing yards, 600 rushing yards, and 42 total touchdowns. Say wow. again. Say, let's hear that again. 4,500 pass yards, 600 rush yards, and 42 total touchdowns. Please stay healthy. That's key number one. Make sure that offensive line does just enough to protect you, Deshaun. He had, he had four games with 30-plus. 33-plus fantasy points, six-point touchdowns, touchdown leagues last year. Uh, he was top 10 in consistency. Uh, by calling him a breakout, you're you're basically saying he's going to have a career year, Heath, right? Yes. This this Because everybody already knows that he's really good. This is you saying he's going to take yet another step, and he's still your number one quarterback? Or is uh, he number he's two? number one in four points. He's number two in six. Okay. He's, so, I, yeah. I, I, I love the direction that the run game is going in, which is not a direction that we should like. And I think Deshaun Watson's going to be put in a position where he's going to have to make a lot of plays. He's got to stay healthy. Will Fuller's got to stay healthy. If those two things happen and Hopkins too, if those two things happen, I think he's got a great shot at finishing as, as a top two quarterback. this year. I, I don't even think he needs Fuller to stay healthy. I think he needs one of Fuller or QT to stay healthy. His game log is interesting to Sean Watson because the first five games of the year, he threw the ball a lot. The last four games of the year, he threw the ball a lot. In the middle, those seven games, he did he not. He was hurt. He did not throw more than twenty-five passes. Yep, he had the rib cage injury. That's pretty interesting. So maybe there's more potential for him to, you know, throw the ball around a little bit more. And I, I, when we did the countdown of the top one hundred and fifty, I gave the stat. Uh, let me see. It's with Will Fuller, just okay. I, I don't have. The, oh, sorry. Zero on the statometer, but this is what you should know. With Will Fuller, he's been just amazing, like unbelievably amazing when Fuller's played. Okay. Yep, that's been huge. Um, if there is a, a slight downside, if I had to rain on this parade, it would be the schedule to open the season at New Orleans, home against Jacksonville, at the Chargers, home against Carolina. Those are four very difficult games, but on the flip side, they should also be four high-scoring games. I don't think that there's a matchup there where you look at and you go – uh, it's going to be you know twenty one three, whoever Houston's playing. Texans just aren't going to put points on the board. Period. So he he could. It's it's the it's the health. It comes down to him staying healthy and the offensive line playing well. All right, let's get to a couple of running backs here. Carryon Johnson, as a rookie, played in ten games, averaged five point four yards per carry, was really good. Even showed the ability to catch the ball, and I just told you earlier the Detroit Free Press predicting sixty or more catches for Carryon Johnson. So he is a breakout for you, Heath. In that same piece, they actually talked about Theo Riddick getting cut. Yes. Because they may just not need Theo Riddick. And oh, we please. know that Carrion's going to share a little bit of the workload. We also know the Lions have talked a lot about wanting to run the ball more. Uh, they hired the new offensive coordinator with that idea. Now they talked before last season about running the ball more, too. And they did a little bit, just not very successfully, unless it was Carrion Johnson. I think 
there's a couple of ways that he'll get better. One, a higher share of the workload. Two, he should not have as much trouble getting into the end zone. And even with those troubles and with not getting quite as much work, from week three through 11, he was a top 15 back in both formats last year. So there, there were only like six games. No, he had three games with more than 15 carries. Three games with 15 or more carries, and he was a monster in all of them. So just, just give him the ball. Are we worried about injuries with Carrion Johnson? He only played 10 games last year. He got beat up a lot in college. Didn't miss a lot of time. But I feel like, Dave, you were worried about that coming in to his NFL career. I was. That was one of the reasons why I didn't want to draft him last year. And I think it kind of helps that he missed six games to end the season. They put him on ice, and now they're getting him ready for this year. I, I will, I've will. i been hesitant to jump into the deep end of the carry-on Johnson pool because of the Lions' track record of using multiple backs. If Theo Riddick does not make this team and there isn't a discernible running back who's going to play that passing downs role, then the prediction of 60-plus catches for Carrion Johnson, it's going to come true like a Disney fairy tale. And he's going to be worth the round three. Is that where we're at with him right now? Yeah. I'm willing to go as high as round three on Carrion Johnson. Late round three. But I, I believe that there's potential. The, the downside to it all is that the Lions' defense is terrible, and they're – they're probably going to play from behind a little bit more often than the Lions might prefer. And it's going to it's going to hurt Carrion Johnson's ability to have a lot of 17, 18 carry games. But that doesn't mean he can't have 17 or 18 touches because right. if those catches are there for him, just, just get Theo Riddick off the roster. I think he makes a lot of money this year, too. They could save some cap space by letting him go. The offensive line is going to be healthy. This this is a great opportunity for Carryon Johnson. As far as the injuries go, you look at the running backs in the eleven to twenty range. He's not. I'm not more worried about him than I am Leonard Fournette, or Todd Gurley, yeah, or Damian Williams, or Devontae Freeman, or Philip Lindsay, or Aaron. Some of those guys I'm more worried about than I am. Most of them. Most of them. Well, I think the Aaron Jones. Like if I were writing a breakouts column, I think Aaron Jones would be at the top. So who would you guys rather have, Jones or Johnson? Carryon. I'll take Jones. Why? Why carry on over over Aaron Jones? We we don't we've not seen anything that shows that Aaron Jones is going to be a feature back or that he can handle a big workload either. Fair. Okay. And we haven't we haven't seen we haven't seen a Packers running back with more than 153 carries. <laughs> is that what I said for Jamal Williams over the last three years? I wonder what the leading carry amount is for a Lions running back over the same span. Well, it might be what Carrion had last year. Last year, no, Gary Legarrette Blunt led the team in carries last year. How, how about okay, that? so maybe it would, that God, that's 154 really... carries, two point seven yards per carry. What were they doing? What were they doing? Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Rashad Penny on your breakout list. Obviously, there's an impediment there, but um, all right, I'm into it. Let's let's hear Rashad Penny. Uh, this is kind of a rich man's version of the Tampa Bay situation. Because I expect Chris Carson's going to be the starting running back at the beginning of the year. He is more talented than Peyton Barber is. It will be harder to take that job from him. But I also believe if Rashad Penny does all the little things right that Chris Carson does and he goes forward the way that Chris Carson does, that eventually he's going to take a majority of the carries in this backfield. And this is a fantastic spot for a running back. They've got a pretty good offensive line. They're going to run the ball 150 times a game, and they're going to run the ball in in the red zone. Yeah, how about this, though? This probably doesn't mean anything to you, just obviously if Penny can overtake Carson. But Chris Carson had like he had 86.7% of the team's carries inside the five-yard line. Chris Carson, that is. Oh, he was. Yeah, he was the, the lead back. And if he, he could hold on to that job this year, I think, like, here's the thing. I think Penny's going to be better than he was last year, even if Carson never gives up the job. Sure. So Penny will improve and likely be a worthwhile flex most weeks, but he also has the upside of a top 15 back. So you would start Carson and Penny in the proper situation. Yeah. You know, it's a bye week there. You've got one of your running backs on bye. That's one thing. But if all your running backs are healthy, what, what situation would you need to see for Carson and Penny to both be in your starting The line? second back in Seattle might get more touches than the first back in Tampa or Detroit some weeks. Is it like starting Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman two years yes, ago? I think so. Okay. So Penny was really good last year, 4.9 yards per carry, and obviously limited 85 carries, only nine catches in in 14 games. But 
he was one of those guys where you watched him and he he was like, whoa, kind of a highlight. Potential. Oh, he was. I my impression was he was terrible at the beginning of the year, like really, really bad. Uh, scared, almost looked scared of getting hit. And then about halfway through the year, he seemed to figure it out and just kind of took off. Okay, he got healthy. The uh, seems like one of the favorite breakouts across fantasy football is Chris Godwin. So Chris Godwin, you may not know this, but he led the Buccaneers in red zone targets last season, and he was fourth in the NFL in targets inside the ten yard line. Now I don't know the the Fitzpatrick versus Winston breakdown in terms of those targets, but I did think I'll that was it. interesting. I'll, I'll, okay, uh, no, you can look it up. But I'm going to try. I've just been nervous about Godwin because it seems like he's super popular and going in like you know, like around f- for early 40s overall. Uh, when would you take Chris Godwin? I think the fourth round's a good time to take him. He we, he, I think he snuck into the third round of one of our drafts, and that's probably a little bit early, but. There's a reason why he's so popular. It's like every single thing that anyone's ever used as a reason for a breakout, Chris Godwin has it. He's a very talented receiver who's been talented in his first two seasons. He gets that third-year breakout tag. He's on a team that just lost 234 targets from last season. He's got Bruce Arians as his offensive coordinator, and they have a terrible defense, so they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. Can't really argue with it. I don't like OJ Howard could have an enormous breakout, get 120 targets, and there's still plenty of room for Godwin to break out. Yeah, I assume they're going to throw less than they did last year. Just like it's almost just like math. Right? I mean, they they just threw so much last year, and they won't yeah, be as good. They won't. They're not going to lead the NFL in passing again. Probably, not. probably not. Right? I, I mean, expect their top five. Okay, it's a great I opportunity. Expect their top five in pass attempts. How many targets inside the 10 do you have him for last year? 11. Okay. If you include the 10-yard line itself, so 10 yards and closer, I've got 13. Mm -hmm. Eight were from Fitzpatrick. Five were from Jameis. That might make you rankle your nose a little bit, but Bruce Arians doubled down on the 100-catch narrative on Chris Godwin. He's going to see a ton of playing time. He's going to line up in the slot. I, I think that he's going to be part of the reason why O.J. Howard doesn't have a huge year because I think they find better mismatches for him than they do for Howard and that Winston looks for him even more than he looks for Howard. Oh, I, he def- I, I definitely think he's going to get more targets than O.J. Howard. But it just takes more targets for a receiver to break out than it does for a tight end. He's, he's scoring. I think he can really deliver on a top 50 pick. So let's take a look at some of the consensus rankings on Fantasy Pros. He's at wide receiver 21. Would you take Tyler Lockett or Chris Godwin? I'll go Godwin. I've got Lockett two spots ahead. Even in PPR? Yeah. Would you take Chris Godwin or Kenny Galladay? Godwin. I've got Galladay higher than Godwin. I'm, I'm but surprised. it's only by three slots. Well, I'm surprised I, that Heath didn't say Galladay because I, I thought you were – a big Galladay fan. I love Galladay. I don't love the situation as much. And the more they talk about how much they want to run the ball and the more Daryl Bell opens his mouth, the more concerned I get about their offense, or at least their passing game. Yeah. I mean, going back to carry on Johnson again, this is why I want the O'Reilly out of the pictures because I think the lions are going to have to throw a lot. And I think Tampa Bay is going to have to throw a ton because that defense is so bad. And both of these teams, well, the Lions obviously have a much better run game than the Bucs, so I can't say that. But the Bucs run the game. Who knows what it's going to be? Well, I, the difference for me with Galladay and Godwin in terms of the – and they're very close to my rankings. But I could – Detroit has a defensive head coach. They don't have a good, talented defense, but they would like to. I could <laughs> see them playing slow and attempting to just keep the other team's offense off the field. Bruce Arians is not going to do that no matter how bad his defense is. That's true. He's just going to try to outscore people. And if that run game can't get going, think about teams that use the slot receiver as an alternative to the run game. That Minnesota did that last year when they didn't have Dalvin Cook. Adam Thielen benefited the most. I think that could happen in Tampa Bay too. All right, let's compare Chris Goblin to another wide receiver on your breakouts list, and that's Sammy Watkins. So the consensus rankings have Godwin at, at wide receiver 21 and Watkins at wide receiver 23. 
so not not our consensus rankings, by the way. I should probably use our two top two. Nah, I'll use the fantasy pros. This is like all the industry rankers. Uh, who do you, would you rather have, Heath, Godwin or Watkins? I'll take Godwin. If you told me Tyree Kill was not playing all season, I would take Watkins. But we've changed our rankings to reflect a guess that Tyree Kill is going to miss six games this season. And so I'll take Godwin. I do think, though, that Watkins, if you look at his per game numbers last year and the games that he actually played in, it was essentially the second best year of his career. And I would expect on a per game basis when the first six games of of the year, he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver. And then a borderline number two whenever he's healthy after that. Yeah, another stat that I gave during the countdown last week, uh, he had five games with more than five targets, and that was only six to nine targets. He never had double-digit targets. In those five games, he averaged 12.4 fantasy points per game in non-PPR and 18.2 per game in PPR, and both of those numbers are right around 10th among wide receivers. So... We're just talking six to nine targets per game for Watkins in five games, and he performed like a top 10 wide receiver. If he starts the season with six games where he's averaging, you know, averaging like eight targets, getting some games with 12 targets, like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and then you won't be able to sell high necessarily, but you'll, you'll be able to enjoy the ride. Uh, Dave, anything on Watkins, or shall we move on? I'm just nervous about the injuries coming back to haunt him and what happens when Tyreek Hill comes back. By the way, I wanted to see we when we did our draft who would go first. When we did our draft last week, Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins. It was a non PPR draft, and they went within two picks of each other. It was Hill followed by Tyler Lockett followed by Sammy Watkins. What would you guys do right now, Watkins or or Hill? Hill, I'll go Watkins, but I've got them four spots apart in my overall rankings, so I think uh, they should go in the same round. All right, our last breakout that we're going to talk about. You want to see the rest of the list, you go to cbssports.com slash fantasy slash football. Evan Ingram, in 11 games last year, he had 577 yards and three tar- and three touchdowns on 64 targets. And, of course, has been much better in his career without Odell Beckham. So I, the way we were talking about Ingram on our previous show on Monday made me a little nervous that people might get too excited about him. I don't really know what to expect. I think the Giants are going to, if they have it their way, they're going to be among the lowest pass attempt team in the in the NFL. Their defense might be so bad where they can't do that, but I know that they're going to try to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They yeah, did I, add Golden Tate. I don't know, Heath. I, I think, though, like the the risk with Ingram is not very great. Well, Even, an early uh, right, fifth round pick, a, a like fiftieth or so overall. That's pretty. If that's if he pretty, gets you eight hundred yards and scores, I don't know how many touchdowns you want to give him, but however many you think is appropriate for someone that has eight hundred yards, you're going to feel okay with that. Even if you count the time that Beckham has played over his career, he's averaged exactly fifty yards per game. I'm not going to feel comfortable with eight hundred yards and seven touchdowns if I'm taking him with the 50th pick. With Why my not? fifth round pick? That's just not good enough. Like, we talked about Evan Ingram versus Brandon Cooks. And if Ingram is giving me 807, Brandon Cooks is going to absolutely wallop him in fantasy points. Sure, but they play different positions. I understand, but we talked about, like, it's got to be close enough where but you're I'm ta- taking but I'm the talking scarce- about what I think the basic floor is. Okay. Right. Okay. Go on. And really, last year, like, Cooks would have outscored him by 20 each of the past two years at that, at 807. Oh, 20 yeah. total fantasy points. He had 1,007 two years ago. He yeah. had 1,205 last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not that far apart. I mean, it's, it's, it's not one good. to two yeah. fantasy points per game, I think that's- which I would trade off for just to have a good tight end. Here's what it comes down to. When you hear Evan Ingram's name, do you think, well, he should be lopped in with the group of O.J. Howard and Jared Cook, Eric Ebron, Hunter Henry? Or do you think, yeah, he's really got a chance to be just behind Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz? And I know that that sounds silly. Obviously, he's not going to be he, – he won't finish with the same type of numbers as those three tight ends. I mean, maybe. I, I think he has that kind of upside. Maybe he does in this offense because I do think he's going to have more targets than anybody other than Saquon and maybe even more than Saquon. 
But if you think he's closer to that group of studly three than the group of eh, not bad from those four other tight ends, then you're going to want to take him late round four and round five. And if you think he's more like O.J. Howard and Jared Cook, maybe you think he's worse than those guys, there's no way, there's just no way you're going to have him on your fantasy team because he's going to end up going in round five. Yeah, I'm not taking him in round four. I, I also think there's a downside that we haven't really talked about. I don't know how much you've considered it, but it's Daniel Jones plays half the season, and he's off. That might excite me at this point. Fine. Then, then what does that say about Eli Manning? I mean, I... Yeah, well, same thing I, I, we've been saying about Eli yeah. Manning for the last three years. He's not good. He's right, not. But he's not. And, it's Evan the problem. Ingram still had good numbers with Eli Manning. Yeah, but Eli Manning isn't nearly as bad as Heath makes him out to be. I, I think that Eli Manning is probably better than Daniel Jones right now. Yeah, I don't think it's quite as close as or he, quite, quite as far away as you might think. I bet the it is. The fact that the doors kind of been left open a little bit tells you what you need to know. I, I understand I think, that Eli's that, that Eli's not good, but I also understand that a lot of rookie quarterbacks can can really really struggle. And I think if we get I, eight ga- if we get six games of Daniel Jones, it might be poison for Evan Ingram. You just never know. I think a month ago we were talking and thinking like Daniel Jones wasn't going to play until the very end of the year, and now after what I've I've learned through minicamp and what we might see in training camp, would you be so surprised if he took over? If, the team starts one and six. No, Here, of course not. Like, that's what that, I but was that good or bad? Statistically, though, like not last year, Eli bounced back a little bit and was not as bad as he had been the last couple of years. But in 2017, when Ingram had his best season, Eli was worse than almost any of the rookie quarterbacks we talked about on Monday. I also want to point out statistically, that, he was awful. But he wasn't uh, worse than Jared Goff. He wasn't worse than uh, Mitch Trubisky. He was oh he was definitely worse than Trubisky by by about Trubisky's of, rookie year by about half of the statistics he was worse by quarterback rating yards per attempt than Lamar Jackson in 2017 yes 6.1 yards per attempt 80.4 quarterback rating oh that's pretty bad that hurts my eyes 3.3 touchdown percentage well i mean doesn't that say he probably wasn't that bad that, that is like a fluky low number. It's, it's very, very bad. Yes, he was but, only three point six last year. But again, like, year. What you, look at he jump, bump, bounce, bounce back to last year. Like, right? He's obviously that not guy, that bad. He didn't have OBJ. But he's not that bad of a with that bad of a quarterback. He's not that bad of a quarterback. He's not going like he's better than Daniel Jones. Is what I'm saying. My my question to you is, would you rather Daniel Jones or Eli Manning be the quarterback if you draft Evan Ingram? I don't have any idea because I haven't seen enough of Daniel Jones to know. I'm not certain right. if Eli Manning is better than Daniel Jones or not. And so just for that reason alone, I'll say Eli. And that's why Eli Eli's going to start the year as their quarterback. Uh, here's what I like about Evan Ingram. 70.3% catch rate last year. He had 11 drops in 2017. He only had three in 2018. Yards per route run went from 1.46 to 1.83. Oh, he was better last year than he was his rookie year. Yeah. All across the board. Except you, ha- I, I do wonder what the splits are with and without Beckham. Which split would you like to know? I don't know anything. I His mean, catch rate without Odell was seventy-one percent. And oh, so similar. So it was real close to seventy percent with Odell. He he yeah. improved in his I second mean, he's, year. He's really good. <laughs> he is. He's very good. He's fast. He's a tough matchup. This was just Adam's way of trying to trick us into talking nice about a giant. For big, a big catch radius that'll help with either an old quarterback or an inexperienced young one. Okay. Uh, he might, and you know what? We're, we're touting him as a breakout now. Think about what he might be next year, 2020, when Daniel Jones is the starter, assuming that Daniel Jones isn't a train wreck. He'll, not, he'll be not, in his not second an assumption year. I'm willing to make. Ingram will be <laughs> Ingram will be going into his fourth year. Maybe he's not too far off from those big three after all. Like I think it's possible Evan Ingram could have one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, regardless of who is starting. But he had one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL in 2017 and broke out. Okay, so so all right. so 2017, yeah. yeah, 2017, yeah. he was the number five tight end in fantasy. Yeah. So let's just let's just think about that. I, what were his numbers? I uh, had seven hundred yards and six touchdowns. Yeah, that, see, that's the thing. You can call that breaking out, but he that's finished awesome for a rookie. It year. is. You're right. But if you get that at fiftieth overall, that's a crap pick. 
So I don't care that he finished fifth because all that tells me is that tight end is terrible every single year. You're going to tell me that Austin Hooper broke out because he finished as the number seven tight end this year? Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, he did. Well, but it doesn't matter because it's useless. Like it's not useless at all. You have to start tight ends in almost all leagues. Yeah, but but you don't you don't invest the high pick on that. Nobody's even who's drafting Austin Hooper in, in a single digit round. So like not, no, I don't want to hear about I don't want to hear about Evan Ingram's 2017 season. It was and a very good year. It was a great year for a rookie tight end. But if you're going to make the point that oh my god Eli Manning's numbers were so bad in 2017 and Evan Ingram still did well, that's yes. not good enough to justify his draft spot. Like those numbers. Might be good for a tight end. They're not good enough to justify taking him early in the fifth round or in the fourth round or anything. They're not. They're not a top fifty player. No, not even close. No, I expect him to be better than that. I do too. He was a rookie. Rookie tight ends are terrible. I know, but I'm just saying. Like, if you want to just compare quarterback play to numbers, like if Daniel Jones comes in and puts up Eli Manning's 2017 numbers, and and Evan Ingram suffers and has a similar season to 2017, it's not going to be worth a top fifty. If your risk is 800 yards and six or seven touchdowns in the fifth round. That is better than your risk with almost all your fifth-round picks. At, at which position? Well, relative, relative to their to position. The position. Okay. Evan Ingram, breakout. In fact, there are three tight ends in Heath's breakouts, and I think that's you know pretty interesting when you get past the big three. Maybe it means you don't want to be past like the top seven or so. There, there, there's six that I'm like. There's the big three. There's the three breakouts, and then I'm like, well, I'm just not going to draft one until it's time to draft defenses. And the breakouts are Howard, Henry, and Ingram, not in that order. And then for me, I, I mean, I'm kind of warming up to Jared Cook. I feel like he'll be good. You guys are not. No, I, I, I can warm up to him at the right spot. Okay, let's. Um, it's got to be like early round seven. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's let's uh let's get to the minicam developments and read some emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. We're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. We'll be back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And we're back. Okay, so some minicamp developments. Let's get some quick reactions here. Jay Gruden said that Dwayne Haskins deserves a shot to start week one. Agreed. Of course he deserves a shot. Okay. The alternative is Case Keenum. you got to give the kid a shot. He apparently did not embarrass himself at all during minicamp. And uh, how, how often have we seen a rookie quarterback join a, a team with his, one of his top receivers from college? It's pretty rare, right? But Washington is, did that for him. Terry McLaurin has apparently been the, the star of minicamp for the Redskins. What does this news do for you, if anything, in fantasy? Nothing at all. That's the problem. Okay, good. Then you're you're not drafting Haskins. But maybe by the end of August... McLaurin could be McLovin. <laughs> right, let's, let's go to the running backs. So just based on some reports, some stories we've read, here are some things you need to know. Green Bay looks like it's really going to emphasize running the football. <laughs> you don't buy that? Who's the quarterback? Matt LaFleur. Who's the quarterback? But they can. But that's the, the thing about Rodgers. The they, they've been able to do both. They've been able to be a running team at times. Rodgers, 
Lately, he's been throwing the ball more, but a little earlier in his career, he was not a high attempt guy, and he was still one of the best quarterbacks in the world. So I don't see that they wouldn't be a run-first team that could still have a really good passing attack. I think Aaron Jones is going to have to really earn it from Aaron Rodgers. Otherwise, he's going to have to get it done in the passing game. Now, Rodgers has has called out Jones. uh, I shouldn't say called out. He's praised Aaron Jones for um, how he looks both on the field and off the field. Apparently, he lost some weight, looks a little bit better. And maybe that'll make Aaron Rodgers feel better about handing off to him and certainly looking for him on screens and dump-offs. I'm expecting the Packers offense to be a lot more creative than it's been. And that's not saying much because it was pretty stale the last couple of seasons. I I do expect them to be more run-heavy than they were last year. More run-heavy than they were last year, but I don't think they're going to suddenly become... No, the Titans. But like he threw 597 passes last year. I've got him projected for 556. Yeah, I bet he. I bet he's in between there. I bet he's closer to 575. Okay, the Detroit Pre Press predicted six or more catches for Carryon Johnson. We talked about that. The Texans are they going running back by committee? A little. I think they want to. There. Um, didn't they last year? They they did eventually. Remember, like Alfred Blue was getting work. Like they were so frustrated with Lamar Miller. Didn't they the Blue year before? There. Well, no, because Lamar Miller was still carrying the ball seven, almost seventeen times per game. Well, yeah, because they were running it forty times a game. No, nobody runs the ball forty times a game. I think uh, Baltimore led the NFL with like thirty-four last year or something. Last year, Lamar Miller had two hundred and ten carries in fourteen games. And Alfred Blue had 150 in 16 games. And Deshaun Watson had 116 games. Yeah, they, they obviously run the ball a lot. So running back by committee, would it, though, it be in the sense where it's, it's split more evenly? That's what I'm thinking. I don't really expect it to change too much. It, it, Foreman could show me something in the, the preseason that might change my opinion. Um, like the year before, Lamar Miller had 238 carries in 16 games, which is about the same pace as 210 and 14. And Foreman and Alfred Blue combined for 149. So I, I think it'll be similar to what it's been. Could you express the situation in which you would be very happy to have Lamar Miller on your fantasy team? I went zero running back. And what round are you getting him in? Uh, fifth or sixth. Okay, I'll say sixth is fine. I'd be excited to have him if I loaded up at other positions. Through yeah, the I mean, if I, if I start rounds. wide receiver, wide receiver, and get a tight end at the start of the third, sign me up for some. I still want him to be my second running back there, though. I think I think I'd feel like I need a shower if Lamar Miller was my very first quarterback on my team. Okay, well, you know, you should shower regardless. Some rookie running back updates that I probably shouldn't be the one telling you that. Uh, Matt Nagy said rookie running back David Montgomery is a really good route runner. Mm-hmm. And new NJ.com Zach Rosenblatt says that it's premature to expect Miles Sanders to become the number one Eagles running back. He's missing it, time, so, you know. Yeah. He won't be to start the year. Hopefully. He's so, got a hamstring thing that's keeping him. No, I mean, he won't be the number one running back to start the year. No, no. Not unless Jordan Howard gets hurt. Who do you draft, draft first? Bears, David Montgomery, the Eagles, Miles Sanders? Montgomery and not close. Correct. So who do you draft second? Sanders? Miles Sanders. Okay. Gotcha. What do you mean? But I'm, I'm thinking I'm, of those two? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking two plus rounds later. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. But, you know, you say that, but who has the better chance by week eight to be getting more carries? Sanders. Oh, uh, Sanders versus Montgomery? Yes. Or Sanders versus Howard? Sanders versus Montgomery. 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 Okay. But Sanders will be ahead of Howard by then. If you draft Miles Sanders, you just have to be very patient. James Conner thinks the Steelers will distribute backfield touches pretty evenly. That report came out last week, and recently, I think it might have been as soon as yesterday, the Athletic reported that all this talk about James Conner splitting is, quote, lip service. Right. So, which so, is, is what, I, what Which think? is what I was saying all along. Okay. Like, James Conner has done absolutely nothing to lose the workload that he had last year in Pittsburgh. I, I, I'm, I'm projecting Benny Snell to be his direct backup, Jalen Samuels to get somewhere between three and seven touches per game, regardless of the situation, and James Conner to get the rest, including the goal line. He was, he was great in short yardage. 
He's a good pass catcher out of the backfield. He's got a great offensive line. He knows the, the offense. Quarterback trusts him. You're really going to take him off the field and put him down for 12, 13 carries a game? It's ridiculous. Okay. Connor is, uh, I think, someone we need to have an extended conversation about maybe in our next episode, although I've already said we were going to do that, and I did not do that. Last running back note, Nick Foles says he likes throwing to running backs. There is some buzz about Leonard Fournette catching more passes this year. I did go back and look at every game um, in which Nick Foles threw more than 11 passes with the Eagles the last two years. 12 games fit that criteria, including the postseason. And a running back had 30 or more receiving yards six times and a touchdown catch three times. So that's really not so bad. And it wasn't always Darren Sproles. Like sometimes it was a Jai. Corey Clement in the Super Bowl, I completely forgot. He had four catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. I mean, pretty much everybody scored in that game. But 12 games for Foles with more than 11 passes in the last two seasons. A running back had 30 or more yards six times and a touchdown catch three times. That's not bad. How many catches do you think Leonard Fournette gets this year? 49. Um, that seems a little higher than what I've got him for, but it's not far from that. Um, 40. Cool. Hey, make sure you watch the World Series of Poker on CBS All Access. we got a lot of events that you cannot see anywhere else other than CBS All Access. Go to cbs.com slash poker or download the CBS app. That's not cbssports.com. That is cbs.com slash poker or download the CBS app. And by the way, the Facebook group is popping right now. People are commenting on my post. I'm trying to figure out how to pin it. How do you pin a post? You grab a push pin. Uh-huh. You grab what you want to post. I saved it. And you put the it. push pin into the wall in between the base of the pin and the wall. I'm going to have to email the social guy and ask him how do I pin a post. Please don't make fun of me. He's going to laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, do you know how? Um, no. no <laughs> okay, cool. Wide receiver stuff. Some mini camp rumblings. New Jets GM Joe Douglas really likes uh, Robbie Anderson. He was impressed. Yeah, he's had some good headlines after training camp. I know Jamie's not here, but grab your waters. Pete Prisco came away impressed. Got it. With uh, Robbie Anderson uh, following his visit to their minicamp. Apparently, he's running routes better. Going to be a little bit more than just a one or two trick pony at receiver, which is great. Very, very. I'm between Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell in that Jets offense. I, I think there's a lot to be excited about for Robbie Anderson this year. Yeah, I'm not there. No. I, I like Robbie Anderson a lot. I was, I'm was i pretty sure I was the Robbie Anderson guy oh, yeah. last year and you, the year before, maybe. Yes, oh, yeah, always. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't really have a lot of faith in Darnold. I super don't have any faith in Adam Gase. And they've got too many guys that run the types of routes that Gase's offense tend to focus on. I just don't... like. Why did they go get Jamison Crowder? Why did they give Quincy Anunu an extension? How many times are they going to throw it to Le'Veon Bell? Or Chris Hernan when he's back on the field? I just, I, I don't know. Okay. I hope I'm wrong. I like Robbie. Marquez you Valdez might, You might Scantling. change your mind about him after the preseason. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Might be Green Bay's number two wide receiver. Sounds like he is their number two receiver in terms of the guy that plays outside and the guy that plays when they only have two receivers on the field. Jerome Allison mostly been playing in the slot during OTAs at least. I had Allison as one of my breakouts. I took him off the list for now. I've currently got him and Scantling projected for the same number of targets. This will be something we watch closely in camp. I think it's a great fit to have Allison in the slot. And uh, it's been – have I talked about this before on the podcast? Tall slot receivers in this version of the Shanahan offense? No, I don't think so. Uh, maybe. With LaFleur? I think I have because we talk about how Cooper Cup was tall, Muhammad Sanu was tall, Tajay Sharp was tall. They all worked with Matt LaFleur. And now he's going to use Geronimo Allison, who's 6'1", I believe. And not necessarily fast, but he's a good route runner. 
And as long as he doesn't try and improvise too much, I think he's going to have a good opportunity to get over the 50 catch mark and maybe come down with a six, seven touchdowns. I, I still like him better than Valdez Scantling. Oh, yeah. Heath, did you say who you preferred? As of right I, right now? now, I would still take Allison, but if he's going to be a slot receiver running those kinds of routes, he's going to need a lot more than 50 catches to be relevant. MVS, when he first got featured, his first four games of the season, he had five targets. And then he had a four-game stretch with two touchdowns and two 100-yard games, and he was awesome. And I'm sure we all pretty much bought in, and then he was yes. awful. Well, they moved him to the slot. Is that what is that coincided directly with him moving to the slot when he? I, got I am fairly positive they moved him to the slot and everything went terrible. Well, yeah, that's no good then. But we saw, I guess, what he can do as an outside receiver. Uh, Russell Wilson raved about DK Metcalf. "Quote: I think DK Metcalf is well. I think DK is looking really, really special. He can do anything and everything, and he's tremendous." Meanwhile, Jimmy Garoppolo said some nice things about Dante Pettis. So a rookie NFC West wide receiver in Metcalf and a second-year NFC West wide receiver in Pettis getting some love from their QBs. I think it's lip service from Russell Wilson, who, like his coach, is very rah-rah over everything. And um, this isn't the only thing that we've heard about Pettis this week. The Athletic reported that Pettis seems to have an edge to be the number one receiver in San Francisco. Yeah, well, he's, that, that he's excites the man. me. I've he's been drafting Pettis a lot. He's the man. He really is, he's, he's got this flexion to his body where he can just adjust for passes and evade tackles. He's got good speed. Yeah, you're, yeah. Adam's, he's like Gumby out there. Yep, yeah, that's me. And Adam is like a robotic Gumby in his chair right now. Heath, I'm not sure you've ever been part of this debate, but like, just give an honest answer because I know you like to oh, troll me, boy. but give, give an honest answer. Um, I, don't, I don't know what your side of this answer is, so I couldn't Well, you. you will when I ask you a question. I'm running a route. We're playing like, you know, backyard football. I'm running a route, and Pete Prisco is covering me. Who, like, who wins? Um, Do you think like, Pete could cover me? Who's throwing the ball? You. Um, I don't know that it really matters. Like, you have to catch the ball to win? Yeah, I could catch. I have good hands. I would bet on Pete. You would not. You would honestly not. If like you actually had to bet, you would not bet on I Pete. I don't think you – like if Pete presses you, yeah. I don't think you can get off the line. Y- you will fall. Um, How will old fall is he? If you do get off the line, I've still got a bet on you running, not falling down, and catching the pass. And those – like that's a – I think there's a chance. Like, it I, has I to happen. You like, I might give you like a 40% chance. If, if Pete has to play in zone, you're going to win. Yeah, but if Pete gets to play up on the line and jam you... Right, which is what he would do if he was allowed to. I, he would push you down, you would I, fall, like, you would scrape your I elbow. Think, like, <laughs> do we think that Adam's faster than Pete? Yes. I am 100%. Oh my God, I would yes. destroy him. Are you like, kidding Pete, me? Pete works out. Pete's that doesn't in, make you fast, though. He, he does, like his... I'm pretty sure that he does things with his legs when he works out. Like I, He might do, like... When do we think the last time that Adam's sweat was? Like, for a physical exertion reason. I don't know the answer to that question. I, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. When was the last time I sweat? I think it might have been November. No, when my, my brother's bachelor party was, I think, in November. Uh, but it had to be from, after that. From, but from running or jumping or something? Yeah, yeah, we played. It was like a big sports weekend. We played football. I was one of the best players. I was surprisingly good. Okay, Dante Moncrief looks like a... Say about the rest of the guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was younger than all of them. Dante Moncrief looks like a slam dunk as the number two wide receiver for Pittsburgh, according to The Athletic. What do you think about that? If he is the number two wide receiver for Pittsburgh and he holds on to that job for the rest of the year, doesn't drop the ball, then he is massively underrated in drafts right now and should be ranked as a top 40 wide receiver. Agreed, but I've also read something on James Washington breaking out and Deontay Johnson looking good at camp and a former Canadian Football League receiver named Deontay Spencer looking good in Steelers camp. I think it's too soon to make a call on which Steelers receiver other than Juju is going to be the man. Okay, so let me read some emails to finish the show. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. This is from Art in Atlanta, Georgia. I wanted to hear your thoughts on filling both tight end roster spots using tight ends from the same team 
in a best ball league where you have to have two tight ends on your roster. So it's a PPR league where you have to roster two tight ends and the best one counts every week. What would you think about going maybe Ertz and Goddard, maybe Ebron and Doyle, whatever you see that would work? The problem with that is now you have to roster three. And sometimes I'm okay with rostering three. I don't like rostering three when I've taken one of Ertz, Kelsey, or Kittle because I feel like if I spend that much on a tight end, I don't want to spend two more picks. But you can't draft Ertz and Goddard and then just take a zero the week of their buy. I'm reading the email from Art, and he must have two tight ends. He can't have three. He can't have one. It's got to be two. I don't like it. I like giving your team as many opportunities as you can to have um, production. And if you have two tight ends from the same team, you're almost guaranteeing that every week one of the tight ends will be horrible. And more often than not, both tight ends will be horrible, even in the case of Ebron Doyle. We missed a news item, by the way, and I believe this also came from The Athletic, so they're getting a lot of um, attention on our podcast today. But Mo Ali cox was apparently yeah. their star in minicamp. And that's a third tight end. Well, that's because Fourth, Ebron, if you Ebron, Devin Funches. Ebron and Doyle weren't participating, right? Maybe, but if he showed them something... In the cabin, he was playing for them a little bit late last season. It's just another, it's just another target for Andrew Luck. More bad news for Paris Campbell. I don't like bad news for Paris Campbell. I really like Paris Campbell. All right, guys, I, I want to answer more questions. So, uh, keeper question from Daniel from a city southeast of the Houston, Tex- oh, of Houston, Texas. I think we've answered this before because I've, <laughs> I think he's he's written this in before, and I think I said Beaumont for oh. him last time. But this time it's going to be Alvin, Texas. Hello, Priest, Larry, and Jamal. Those are running backs. Texas running backs, Chiefs, right? Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs running, backs. running backs. I have a keeper dilemma. I need you, Adam Azer, to answer this for me. I already know what Jamie and Dave as well as Heath will say. The question is, do I keep Marlon Mack or Damian Williams for a seventh-round pick next year? Jamie will say to keep Mack and talk about how Damian may not even be the guy by week three. Dave will say keep Damian because he has developed a man crush with Mr. Williams. Heath will talk about his <laughs> nipples. So I need you, Adam Azer, <laughs> to bring me some resolve. Thank you. Hashtag CBS HQ for life. I think I would take... Uh, I know who I would take. Yeah, and so does he. No, he's wrong. You take back? It's a keeper league. Yeah, I guess I'd take back. But, like, how... If, I guess... I'd assume if you can't keep both Mac and Williams, you're only keeping like one or two players per year. I don't think Mac's probably going to be the guy that you're keeping. I'd, I'd keep Williams. Wow. Okay, I'd keep Williams too. I think that makes sense. Wow. Ooh, uh, just in, by the way. According to the Lions' official website, Matthew Stafford played through broken bones in his back last season. Ouch. Oh. Okay, so this is what I want to read about. That explains something. Um, Mo Ali Cox. Uh, see if you can find out if Ebron and Doyle were not participating. Okay. Anyway, I don't believe either one of them were at full go. Okay, so let's let's get back to the emails here. A Todd Gurley question. Oh, good. Uh, Tyler from Washington. I've seen a lot of experts do mock drafts, and when they draft Gurley, they will draft Daryl Henderson in round six through eight. Why Henderson over Malcolm Brown? Because he's better. Do you know that Malcolm Brown has six games in his career with 10 or more touches, and he has zero touchdowns and zero 100-yard games in all of them? No, I didn't know that. Now you do. Daryl Henderson's just a better player. He'll be given an opportunity to get more work. Brown will be a compliment to him in the event Todd Gurley goes down. I, I will mostly agree what I'll say is I do think Malcolm Brown is going to be a much better value than Daryl Henderson. I think it's probably 70-30 that Daryl Henderson is the lead back if Todd Gurley gets hurt. Maybe six, maybe like two to one. Um, Henderson's going to have a sixth round ADP. Malcolm Brown's going to have a twelfth round ADP. I, I think Brown is a better value. Last email, John from a city in Rhode Island not named Providence. Warshaw. Uh, Dear McNulty, Bunk, Stringer, and Avon. That would be the wire. I feel like 2019 is a special year for the tight end position. You have three tier one guys and then a huge drop-off to a lot of mostly bad options. So hear me out here. In your run-of-the-mill 12-team half PPR league, 
If you nab two of the three top tight ends at the end of round one and the beginning of round two turn, you can ensure that you have a hammer lock on that position the entire year. A massive edge over every other team at that position. From there on, you draft best running back wide receiver available, and uh, you'll have some depth at wide receiver, obviously. It's worth noting that in most leagues, it's possible you start an early tight end run as owners get scared when they will have nobody, giving you some extra value for your picks in rounds three through six. P.S. I don't actually believe any of this, but I would imagine lots (laughs) of people do, especially less experienced owners, might be worthwhile to have a talk with them. Uh, Travis Kelsey could be worth a first-round pick. So that part of the discussion is the only part that's relevant. What if you took Ertz and Kittle? What if they fell to you at 24 and 25 overall? You're passing up on somebody very good, and your edge is only going to be one twelfth greater if you've got them both on your team. Not to mention you're clogging your flex. You're, you're basically committing to starting a tight end in your flex every single week. I, would, I like that a point. lot more than the original idea. Ertz and Kittle were both better than the average flex and better than most of the number two wide receivers and running backs in PPR. But in leagues where tight ends get a bonus and maybe you don't have to... I'm in a league, I've won this league three years in a row, where you don't have to start any tight ends if you don't want to, but tight ends get a point for every catch, whereas everybody else, you don't get a point for a catch until the third catch. Uh, right. Yes. Uh, yes so yes. the first and second catch that your player makes is zero. Catch number three is worth one point. Catch number four is another point, and so on. But tight ends, it's not like that. So there's an edge to tight ends. I, I go crazy on tight ends in this league every year, and I win. But it's that type of a special circumstance where I think it's worth having multiple big time tight ends. You're already going to have an edge over most of your league by having one tight end of those top three. If you have yeah. two of them, it's not that much bigger of an edge. Yeah. Okay. Thank you to Dave and Heath. Good stuff. Thank you all for listening. Um, I don't know. Enjoy your day. Bye. Dave, can we sing it out? Pull up your pants and do the muscle man dance. (laughs) Da, 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 da.